they run the gamut. Not a gamut, but the gamut. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Hello. Hello, Michelle. Hi. That sounded sing-song to sexy. Sing-song to sexy, almost like a little bit kind of what the hell's going on? Is she ready? Is she not? I'm ready. Are you ready, Michelle? I was born ready. That's what people say, isn't it? That's what they say. Absolutely. What's happening in your world? Oh, so much. I'm a tea hoarder. Yeah. And I say a tea hoarder. The only thing I really drink is green tea. Okay. Well, we've run out. Oh. I had to go for the matcha, which I've been avoiding. It's a lot. It's a lot, but actually I'm, I'm loving it. Oh. I'm loving it. Okay. I'm loving the matcha. And I've realized the trick is you don't put a whole big scoop in. No. You just put a quarter of a teaspoon. Okay. It's like pond water. <laughs> it looks disgusting. Yeah. But it's great. I think I've been avoiding the matcha because it just seemed too hard Mm. you get that ceremonial grade one where you get the little whiskey thing do you know what I'm yeah I'm just really confused as to why we're talking in such (laughs) great depth about green tea you're starting to lose me and if you're losing me, Michelle is high on tea right now, guys. I think that's I'm the bottom line. I'm high on matcha. That is the bottom line. Honestly, for me, it was big news. That was my That was So my there is a news. hell of a lot going on in your world. Or is there? I just have a yeah. quick shout out. A quick, quick shout out requested by number one researcher, Al Teggett, who's been a bit quiet on the research front. Can I say, Al? And if you keep being mentioned, which you have been recently... I think you need to pop us over a few more of your fabulous story ideas and research because uh, you've got to work for this. You've got to work for it. Al has got another fucking fan club member. <laughs> the Al Tegan fan club. He's the one getting all the attention here. He's doing close to no work, I have to say, for this podcast. Close to. <laughs> I'm not putting you down, Al. You are the resident hot guy. You are... The um, handsome older man that we constantly refer to. You've even got your own bloody jingle, for God's sake. Well, he's been contacted by a lady called Julie Moore. Hello, Julie. Are you a listener? I hope so, because she must have known him. Didn't know that he was so well ensconced in the world of eavesdropping. Basically, he is working for us. Although I have to say, thank God you're not being paid, Al, because I would have to take you into my office and have a little (laughs) word about your output. (laughs) You'd be given a dressing down. She heard him being referred to as resident hot guy and handsome older man. And he wants me to give her a shout out. There you go, Al. There you go, Julie. Happy now. Can I also say, I think there was some laughy crying face next to the resident hot guy. <laughs> <laughs> a little laughy cry face emoji. Do you think I'm that perhaps saying. she doesn't see him through those eyes? But we all do, Al. Julie. We all do. We all do. Now, we can't go further, Michelle, without talking about Russell Brand. Oh, my God. I'm heartbroken, but not surprised. Yeah. Oh, no, well, none of us are surprised, really. I mean, ever since Catherine Ryan made that comment where she was on a panel show with other comedians and one of whom she alluded to was a known sex pest. And she said she wasn't going to put her mortgage on the line by revealing it. But she said that she did throughout the filming of the show refer to this person being a sex Mm. pest and kind of called him out to the point where it was all cut from the program. She never said what the show was. She never said who it was. Lots of people were talking about it. She was on Louis Theroux and she was in conversation with Sarah Pascoe talking about it. 
a lot of comedians unfortunately have all come together now and said they don't kind of want to be standing back and watching this stuff but they did Mm. i'm not saying that brand is guilty we know that he's got addiction problems we know that he's had an issue with sex and drugs in the past and perhaps his behavior was uncalled for and out of control and perhaps even criminal at at certain points I don't know retrospectively it's difficult isn't it it's a gray area Michelle but he's been cancelled left right and center which he and his fan base are saying was a well-orchestrated attack I would say do the mainstream media care enough about Russell Brand to launch such an attack I think they do Actually. Do you? He's apparently had his YouTube channel shut down. They've stopped monetizing it. Right. Okay. So he still has a platform. It's just not monetized. Okay. He's also got the other platforms which he uses for like Rumble and other things. Telegram probably. Yeah. What has Russell done for this to come up now? I don't know. Maybe it just got to the point where people thought he's giving like guru vibes and I just can't be quiet anymore. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe the victims just felt it was time to have their... Maybe one person came out and the other person then thought, well, this is my moment, then I won't be the only one. It's hard to come out. Yeah, exactly. And say that you've been the victim of a sexual assault or whatever, especially when you're up against powerful people. I did see, and I wish I'd read it, there was an article where Katy Perry has come out and said something about their time together when they were married and why it ended. She's alluded to a dark secret, but she wouldn't say what that was. Right. Okay. Well, that's intriguing and creepy at the same time. I know. And I would I would <laughs> love to know what that is. So Katie, I know you're a listener. Right in. Is of she? she's not. You think Katie Perry's a listener to it? <laughs> well, you just never know. She might be in East. You Europa. never know. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying could be right but speaking of listeners because you know we did used to enjoy uh russell brand's podcast and i would say used to because i went off it quite a while ago i think about two years ago it was great fun to listen to he spoke to people like jeremy corbell who Mm -hmm. made a documentary about bob lazar who i'm going to mention a little bit later on in this Mm -hmm. podcast because this week it's all about ufos omg but before we get to that i would just like to circle back to a couple of episodes ago where you were talking about your nana yes nana. she told you when you were preggers oh you'll be fine you'll slip it like a goat yes well I went online to see if I could find any more of those crazy Australian sayings there's a whole lot out there loads of which I've never fucking heard of and were not said in my house yeah, I know there's a few old-fashioned ones that you can't possibly even say now. They are so <laughs> offensive. Oh, really? Yes, and I can't possibly say I it. want you to no, say No, I won't though. say it here. I'll tell you privately. <laughs> okay. There are a couple that I found. Have you ever heard of this one? And I guess it's referring to somebody who's being a, a bit stupid. Drongo? Oh, well, that's always an Aussie term. No, this one is as useful as an ashtray on a motorbike. Oh, Okay, I think I prefer the chocolate teapot analogy for that one. An ashtray on a motorbike. It's a bit wordy, a bit wordy, that one. An ashtray on a motorbike. Now, there's this one. Ah, it's as dry as a dead dingo's donger. Oh, donger. Donger's a word I haven't heard for a long time. (laughs) Show us your donger. (laughs) Show us your donger. (laughs) Dong. I mean, I actually quite like that word, dong. I think it's a dong, a donger. It's quite sweet. dong. It's quite a sweet way to refer to the P. Penis. To the D. Let's just call it a penis, Michelle. What's so, what, why are you frightened of the word penis? Come on, let's just say it. 
I'm not frightened of any penis <laughs> word or otherwise. <laughs> Be careful who hears you say that, Michelle. <laughs> There's another one. I remember other friends' parents saying this, but I never knew what it meant. I'm going to see a man about a dog. Oh, yeah, my dad used to say that all the time. A man about a dog, I think it means a man about a horse, putting some money on a horse. Essentially, it means I'm just going out for a ciggy. Oh, I think it means going down to the TAB or the betting shop. Or the TAB. You're doing something yeah. that you – yes. Now, I want to say something about – not about Australianisms, but I listened to a great podcast this week, Michelle, in my research. I listened to a few podcasts, but one of them was just for fun. And Adam Buxton is back, 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 back. And he's talking to a guest he's had on before, Natasha Dimitriou. Tash, she's fabulous. She is Nadia in What We Do in the Shadows. And she's also the sister Sophie in Stathlet's Flats, if you've ever seen those two fantastic comedy shows. Yes, but I didn't love them. No? So I didn't finish them. That's a shame. I don't know why. It just didn't tickle oh. me in the way I wanted to be tickled. She was also on this TV competition show with Jim Moyer, otherwise known as Vic Reeves, called The Big Flower Fight, where everybody kind of makes big decorations out of flowers. And her dresses on that program were absolutely lustworthy. There's this beautiful dress that she wore, long tapestry panels of flowers it's just so beautiful I found it somewhere I've pinned it on my Pinterest board but I think it's quite expensive so I won't be getting that dress well I love a good floral dress I have to say I was never into colors always in black when I was younger now it's a little hard on the face what black it is the easiest wardrobe color black goes with everything but going back to uh, the podcast with Adam and Tash (laughs) I love that you love the florals she was talking about her dad's journey with dementia actually Alzheimer's and it was really emotional they started off giggling and laughing they ended both tearful and it was really touching and I just wanted to say I absolutely loved that episode and it was just so beautiful to hear the way she spoke about her dad and what she's experiencing with the whole dementia journey which is difficult you know you're watching a person kind of disappear before your eyes and losing parts of their personality it's difficult I've been there a couple of times now with different parents parents in law And it's not easy. So it's really worth a listen. Also, at the end of the podcast, Adam says something about AI and that he wants to make friends with it before it takes over the world. (laughs) And I just thought that was a cute thing to say. It is a cute thing to say. It is interesting. Look, And JS has been listening to a podcast, not us. In Sweden, they have these things called summer lectures where they have prominent people who give you know, lectures or yep, someone. We on. get them in the UK, the wreath lectures. Yes, exactly. Very similar. There was one on AI and they essentially said AI will take over the world and depending on how it's regulated could potentially have the capacity to annihilate us all because it will be smarter than yeah. any of us and quicker. And we already see that with chat GPT, with all the other mm. AI stuff that's going on. It's fast. It's smart. It's basically a one-year-old at the moment in terms of what it could be. So it's great, but it can also in the wrong hands be terrifying. Who's regulating this? No one. That's what everybody is calling for, the regulation. I think the cat's out of the bag. That's one. The (laughs) horse is – no, what is it? The horse is bolted. The horse is bolted. We've jumped the gun. It's gone. Yeah. It's almost too late. Too little too late. Too little too late. Nana's with us always, isn't she? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, listen, Michelle, I want to talk a little bit about the, the public meeting of NASA's independent study group on UFOs today. Because <laughs> everybody wants to know about it. We've all heard about it. It was back in June 2023. Everybody wanted to know, but it was just so dry, so long and so dull that I couldn't even touch it. But I have spent months now trying to assimilate the knowledge, trying to accumulate what's going on, trying to understand what the fuck is being said apart from, yes, there's something out there. No, we're not going to tell you which is basically the the crux of it. Mate, that sounds as dry as a dead dingo stonger. It does sound a bit dry. It's all about this former US intelligence official. He's also an Afghanistan combat veteran and the representative of the National Reconnaissance Office to the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. Now, that is an acronym, and I don't know what it is. N-O-U-A-P-T. I don't know. No apt. (laughs) For between 2019 and 2021, his name is David Grush or Grush, and he was called to speak at this public meeting. We've talked about him before, sure of it. When? Oh, really? Yes, I recognise that name because I thought you were going to say Dave Grohl, but no, Dave Grush. It's Grush, Grush. He divulged to the committee that he was absolutely certain that the federal government is in possession of UAPs and their dead pilots. Holy fucking shit. We knew it. We knew. Well, this is just one guy saying this, Michelle, well, so don't okay, get too right. excited. No, I am excited because <laughs> I, do, I do think that the Americans have alien craft. They're reverse engineering it, maybe even have bodies. Pin that thought. Okay. We've talked about this a lot in the past, and I, I want you to know that I have read a lot of newspaper articles from the Daily Mail right up to the Times <laughs> and the Independent, and I've also listened to a lot of podcasts, which I'll tell you about shortly, and uh, tried to understand, and also listened to a Radio 4 program. So I'm going to start from 2022, where Grush filed a whistleblower complaint with the U.S. Office of Intelligence Community Inspector General, that is ICIG, in order to share classified information with the U.S. Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. So he did this because he felt that the public needed to know. And you know that there is that whole thing about Freedom of Information Act that you can lodge a complaint and you can get that information. But the government have actually outsourced quite a lot of this stuff that relates to UAPs, etc., that it is held privately, private security firms, etc., and they don't have to comply with whistleblower requests. Interesting. So fucking dodgy. Isn't it? Just bear that in mind. Do you not think that implies top secret shit they don't want? They've hidden it. They've buried it. I want to say the government don't know everything either. You think it starts there. It doesn't. Military and other aspects of, I don't know, controlling forces and I don't know who they are. Grush also filed a complaint alleging retaliation by his superiors over a similar complaint that he made back in 2021 and cited interviews conducted with 40 witnesses by him over a four-year period when he was at the uh, UAP, uh, what was it called again? The I've forgotten already the name of the thing that he was doing. He was the representative of National Reconnaissance Office to the UAP task force. He had a job. During that time, he interviewed 40 people. It was over a four-year period, and he said that they all made claims that made him believe that the claims of UAP's existence and the holding of biologics, I don't know how to say the word. Biological. Biologics, he says. 
Grush said he led the Defence Department's investigations and analysis on all reported UAP sightings. He said he was told about a multi-decade Pentagon program that was dedicated to collecting and reconstructing, reverse engineering, crashed UAPs, aerial phenomena. Grush himself has said he never experienced any sightings or contact, so he's not like touched or anything by an experience. He's not fervently chasing the UFOs. He's just doing his job. But he does know, through his work, of multiple colleagues who were injured by UAPs. Oh, doesn't say how. There's a lot he doesn't say, by the way, which is frustrating. Could be the burns, could be all that kind of stuff. Could be, could be more. He also said that in the course of his work, he has interviewed people who have recovered non-human biologics, like I said, from crashed UAPs. And also people had been killed to conceal the program. But he wouldn't elaborate. Now... Up until you said people died, I was with you. I thought, this has got some legs. People being killed. although To cover up. I say that incredulously, but then I think about Silkwood, which we did a, an yep. episode on. People do get killed to protect secrets. I mean, it happens yeah. all the time. Oh, my gosh, this is getting... Just hold on to it. Hold it. Hold it. Don't scary. make your mind up yet. He said that the UFOs could be coming from extra dimensions. He was quite clear about that, actually. He felt that they were coming from multi-dimensions. He even kind of explained, and I can't do that because I haven't got a scientific brain, something to do with quantum science, how they're entering through different portals. It's weird, and I don't get it, and most of us won't. But bear that in mind. Okay. He said he'd spoken with intelligence officials who the U.S. military had briefed on football field-sized crafts and that the U.S. government transferred some crashed UFOs to a defense contractor. There you go. That's the silent wall. So these defense contractors don't have to divulge the information when there's been freedom of requests. They are tightly locked down. Lots of money involved, I'm sure, as well. And scary. Terrifying. And scary. Absolutely scary because then Grushow also says that there was malevolent activity by UFOs. Oh, fuck. Okay. It's dark. But this is what we all think in a way. Humans, they run the gamut. Not a gamut, but the gamut of uh, being lovely to evil. Aliens too. Come on. There's bad aliens, there's good aliens. Well, we don't know even what they are, where they're from, what their intentions are, where we are in the world. I think basically question everything. So Grush went on to BBC Radio 4's The World Tonight in August 2023 with his attorney, Charles McCulloch, a former intelligence community inspector general. I'm giving you all these massive names because I want them to have some form of validity. They're not just randoms, okay? Grush is not a random. McCulloch is not a random. They are well documented and in well their fields respected. and yep. respected up until recently. And I'll go on to say more about that. So he went on this Radio 4 program, The World Tonight, with his attorney. And he said his reasons for going public were a sense of duty, an act of truth to power. And it seemed like me going public, this is a quote, was the appropriate lever to pull when it comes to public accountability. He also said for the public at large to understand their place in the cosmos, their place in the universe. This is why I'm saying question everything, Michelle. I think it alludes to something quite humongous. Well, it's bigger than than anything we can even wrap our heads around right now. Yeah. There are certain things, this is what he goes on to say, there are certain things that I have first-hand access to that I can't publicly discuss at this time. However, myself and other colleagues interviewed 40 individuals, both are current and former, highly 
distinguished intelligence and military personnel that were specifically on these programs. It goes back 80, 90 years ago when this was first created and they translated some of the secrecy from the Manhattan Project onto this subject. If you've seen Oppenheimer, you'll know all about the Manhattan Project. That is the nuclear arms race or creation of the nuclear bomb. Fuck. Because, this is interesting and this is what I want you to pin, because they weren't sure how ontologically shocking it was going to be to the world's populace. And then, as you can imagine, it's a Pandora's box for potential military and weapons development type reverse engineering activities. So they decided to keep it under wraps for many years. Ontologically shocking. Hold that thought, guys. The host, Tim Burchett, that's his name, asked Grush if this was just an American thing. Because it just seems that America is always having conversations about UFOs and UAPs. And how unlikely and fanciful the notion was that if it was purely American, surely other countries must also have these similar things covered up. Mm. And Grush's response was... It does cross into other countries and other allies to include the Five Eyes Alliance. I didn't Google that, but I'm sure it's just the five big countries who are allies. So those five countries might be... Australia, Canada, New Zealand, UK, USA. It's basically all English speaking and kind of Commonwealth in a way. So you would assume that if it was uh, global, then perhaps it's happening elsewhere, but they just don't have the capabilities to report or to investigate to the extent of those five very wealthy nations, I suppose. Hmm. All English speaking. And we know that aliens don't care about language. No, of course not. But what I'm saying, Michelle, is that perhaps it is happening elsewhere, but they don't have the finances to follow it up in the way that which the Five Eyes Alliance do. Back to David Grush's statement on The World Tonight. He said, the media reporting bias and societal transparency is a little different in the US. So that's another reason as to why you're not hearing about it in non-English speaking or other countries. Okay. This is the crux of what most people hear, but is certainly not an American issue. Then Charles McCulloch, his attorney, pipes up. He says, our government relies on checks and balances of congressional oversight. David's allegation at its base is essentially that Congress does not have access to the information it needs to properly oversee things going on in the executive branch, whatever that is. Hmm. That was his main concern. So he's briefed both the intel committees and he's had a two hour hearing of testimonies this week. Right. So then Tim Burchett felt he needed to raise some of the negative responses to Grush's testimony. He mentioned Sean Kirkpatrick, who is a laser and materials physicist and director of the AARO, which is All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office at the US Defense Department. And he says that Sean Kirkpatrick issued a statement last week that said his testimony was insulting and saying that he was never a representative to the unit. I don't, what don't you understand? So he was never aligned. He said that Grush was never a representative of the unit that he was working on. Grush replied, Dr. Kirkpatrick oversaw our activities and what we were doing and the money we were spending. I never said I was a part of the core team, so I believe it was just lost in translation or misconstrued. Now, Kirkpatrick's not necessarily anti-UAP and whatnot. He actually had a paper coming out with a guy called Avi Loeb, who I do believe we've spoken about before. It was talking about hypothetical physical constraints of alien spaceships existing in the solar system. And they considered in their manuscript the idea that they may defy all physics and there could be probes from an extraterrestrial 
Parent Craft. That was the paper that Avi Loeb and Sean Kirkpatrick wrote. So it's not like he's not considering it. He's not shutting it down. No. But he is saying that Grisha was not part of his team. Maybe it was lost in translation. I don't know. Well, but Grisha is coming out and saying, yeah, not part of the core team, but he oversaw the, the money. He was the money man. Not the money man, though. He's not the money man. He, it must have been his department. Not Grish was the money no, man. No, but neither is Kirkpatrick. He's a theoretical physicist. He's not an accountant. Well, I thought that he was overseeing spending. Maybe he was passing it up. He was the leader of the team, mm. I think, somehow. I don't know. So I listened to another podcast, which was reacting to the testimony of Grish. And it's called, give them a little shout out, really, with Dave Foley and Tom Wheeler. These guys are two UFO enthusiasts who also happen to be comedy writer and actor from Kids in the Hall, if you remember that fabulous Canadian sketch show from the 90s. I loved it. We got it in Australia. And screenwriter of Puss in Boots, Lego Ninjago, and showrunner of this show called The Cape, amongst others. That's Tom Wheeler and Dave Foley. You'll have seen him around, I'm sure of it. He's, like I said, the Kids in the Hall. You don't remember Kids in the Hall? No. Link up some chicken lady videos. Oh, okay. Degrassi was the only Canadian thing I remember from back in the day. Well, anyway, these guys had on a guy from MUFON called Earl Grey, great name, (laughs) Earl Grey Anderson. It's like the tea, isn't it? You were talking about tea a little bit before, Michelle. You love to talk about tea. I do love tea. I'm so boring when it comes to tea. I fucking love it. Anyway, (laughs) Earl Grey, Mr. Earl Grey. And we know what MUFON is, don't we? It's the Mutual UFO Network. We've talked about it many times. It's where you report all your anomalies to. And it's kind of like underground, not underground, but they are a little network that look, well, little, they're a network that look into UFO and contact Mm -hmm. with extraterrestrials. He's the state director, Earl Grey, of Southern California. He's also the chief field investigator and a member of the STAR team, whatever that is. I didn't look it up, sorry. An executive committee member of MUFON's experience resource team. In this podcast, he pointed out that in all the years this secret work has been going on, the tactic from authorities and the military and the government was to call out whistleblowers as crazy, like they did with Bob Lazar, completely debunked him, gave him poor treatment after he blew the whistle on reverse engineering and crashed extraterrestrial craft. Now, I have to say that does make sense because if you've got some whistleblower rocking the boat, you're going to do everything you can to discredit them because they are revealing things that clearly the government, military, whoever, don't want revealed to the public. I get it. That's the tactic. That's what he's saying. Anderson also stated on the podcast that during our history of the world, Nothing compares to this disclosure. The guys were very excited about Grisha's testimony and the disclosure. And he tells the host that over the years, there were many presidents that were privy to all this information. Hmm. He also pointed out that Bill Clinton was his first request as president was to see the files on UFOs and the files on JFK's assassination. Hillary, when she was running, wanted to be known as the disclosure president. So clearly they know stuff. Great. Anderson went on to tell an astonishing tale, which I want to tell you today, that he learned from his mum as a child. She was Howard Hughes's private secretary, and as such, she had a huge level of trust placed in her. In 1963, she was called on for a security detail taken out to the desert where there was this low bunker set in the ground with no doors, no windows, no signage, just in the middle of nowhere. 
She was taken inside and lowered down in a lift for what seemed like a mile. She thought it was just going to be a little way, but it went on and on. When she came out, she was faced with this mini city beneath the ground, filled with scientists, lots of Germans, so perhaps something to do with Operation Paperclip, which we have discussed before, where they took a lot of the World War II scientists and they amalgamated them and used their knowledge for various things, such as the study of, obviously, extraterrestrials and also psychological warfare and psychological testing and links into MK Ultra and what was happening. Yep. That's true. That's right. Yeah. So everyone was getting around in golf carts. There was a bowling alley, a cinema, barbers. I imagine it to be a little bit like CERN in Switzerland, where all the um, astrophysicists and Professor Brian Cox go to work on the, what's that machine called? The black hole maker? The Hadron Collider. Hadron Collider. So she was made to sign loads of NDAs, but she did tell her son this once when he was tiny and he remembered it. And she told him, she knows for sure we are not alone in the universe and that contact had already been made. She told him never to discuss it again. And if he did, she warned him that she could go to jail. Wow. This guy had a fascination with it from a young age. So back to Grush. I want to go back to Grush's term of non-human rather than alien or extraterrestrial. Now, he said he couldn't go into specifics, but he did say that non-humans could cause physical injury. So in this podcast, Anderson, after sharing his anecdotes about his own invasive contact with non-humans, he told the show's hosts something I'd never considered before. He pondered this. Why don't aliens wear spacesuits? When people have had contact, they don't describe any kind of spacesuits or breathing apparatus. Surely any extraterrestrial coming to this planet would be at risk of contacting human diseases or unable to breathe the air. So what about this, Michelle? Consider this. And I wonder if you have. The aliens are actually bioengineered machines. What's she on about? What? Huh? Silly bitch. What? Long pause. Um, the very long pause. I know. <laughs> I was just thinking that is something I have never considered. I always thought that they were like us, essentially, not like us in terms of they are human, but that they are a body with with a soul and a mind that is controlling. I hate this term, but I always say it, the meat suit. Yeah, I hate that term too. <laughs> it's awful. It's terrible. It just feels like, a you know, your arm is a chop. I think there is something in that. I mean, you'd look at Terminator, okay, where he is basically a, a machine. Yeah. And why I've never thought about that as an alien concept, I don't know, but... Very interesting thought. How are they mentally animated? Where is their mind coming from? AI? Is the body a machine? Yeah, but then it's, it's a biology all... machine. So perhaps there is some sort of, I don't know, they've been programmed. Who knows? We don't know this. Okay, so what else, Michelle? I want to ask you something else. What do you think would happen if full disclosure occurred? Why are the powers that be keeping us in the dark? And I'd love to know what you think. But before you answer that, Grush spoke of ontological shock. I looked it up. It's an almost damaging form of existential angst where you have to question everything you thought you knew. Kind of like the reveal for Truman in the film, The Truman Show, the Jim Carrey film. Mm -hmm. Suddenly everything you thought you knew, you're born, you're raised, you live, you think you know the meaning of life. And when this info is disclosed, it could potentially turn everything upside down okay. for you and everyone you know. Right. So I think about this 
more and more frequently as I get older. And the pointlessness of any of us and why we're here. When you think of this cycle of we're born, we live, we die. Nothing actually matters because we were nothing before and we're going to be nothing after. So this time and this consciousness, what is it all for? It's for nothing. And if it's for nothing, then why are we not all just here to enjoy? That for me feels like the point of our existence. We've been put on here almost in this life as a game. But if I put that into the context of what you've just said, I think that there are a lot of people who do have anxiety. We've had a taste of it with COVID where people cannot handle a change in the status quo. Yeah. Change. They cannot handle huge worldwide pandemics, whatever it is, changes. Yes, there was a health issue connected to that. What's so good about the status quo? What about if suddenly there were huge, I mean, this is something they talked about on the Really podcast. It's really interesting. They're very geeky, though, I will warn you. If people suddenly decided to worship these aliens, if they did reveal themselves, it could cause so many problems. And I think that perhaps what Earl Grey Anderson was pondering was the potential to cause an already fractious planet, communities, worlds, wars, all this stuff that happens, it could add another layer of problems. Do you know what I mean? But it could also solve a layer of problems. I mean, do we live in a perfect world? No. We're fucking up our environment. We're fucking up the climate. We've never lived in a time where there's been so much anxiety and stress and people taking medication to alleviate that. People are worried about the future. I mean, I'm not saying this didn't always exist. I'm sure it did. They're assuming that the revelation of this information will have negative impact. Well, maybe it will, but then maybe it will turn into a positive. And they're also assuming that people will not be able to assimilate the information in a way that is intelligent and rational. They're thinking everybody is war of the world's reaction. I mean, I've just thrown this on. I'm just freestyling it here because I haven't yeah, had you are a freestyling. chance to really think about the impact of all of that. There is a lot to think about. I've always been quite non-committal when it comes to the subject of UFOs and aliens and all of this kind of thing. As you know, I am very fence-sitting. I don't necessarily believe it. Part of me doesn't want to believe it because I'm scared shitless of what it means. Are we alone in the universe? Most scientists say absolutely not, but they have no way of proving it. All they know is that statistically, there is no way that we are the only life form in the universe. So it's just a lot of interesting things to think about if you're in the right frame of mind. What happened last night was it a visit from an alien? There was an evil probe. Did he take me away in his super ship? What an alien! What an alien! In the beginning of my research, I didn't know where to start. So I went to the Daily Mail because I needed to dumb it yeah. down. There was so much and I didn't understand it. And it was boring, <laughs> all the stuff about the actual meetings. So here we go. All I could find was, actually, to be honest, even the Daily Mail was a bit dull when it was reporting this. Six main points. I've only chosen two or three because they were so dull. But like I said before, what's come out of the meeting was that serious scientists want to search for alien tech in our solar system. And there's an astrobiologist called David Grinspoon who told his fellow UAP task force members within the scientific community, 
this is what I said before, there is a widespread but by no means universal belief that there are extraterrestrial civilizations. Right. To be fair, that makes sense. Because if it's not a civilization, then it's just some random alien in a spacecraft coming to say hello. And that doesn't make sense. Or checking in on their experiment. Mm -hmm. Grinspoon believes that we could locate extraterrestrial artifacts in our own solar system and is recommending that we get our hands on these artifacts pronto. Why, I don't know. What could those artifacts be? Bits and bobs. Bits and, <laughs> Bits and bobs. I don't know. Floating detritus? Maybe. Or <laughs> blown up. Bits of shit. Spaceships. Or, I mean, you think about yeah. when you go on a car journey and you always see people throwing shit out of windows. A burnt out rubber <laughs> tyre. Yeah. Or their sacks of their waste floating around, perhaps, when they jettison that. Alien shit, that's right. Their yeah. toilet, their wee-wees, their poo-poo. Okay. Another of the three interesting points that I chose from the Daily Mail was the percentage of unresolved UAP cases remains consistent with the past. No more, no less. Again, back to Sean Kirkpatrick, who told NASA's UAP group that the number of military sightings are between 2 and 5% of his total database. Remember, he is the boss of all the database studying the amount of UAPs okay. uh, reports. Two to five percent. And that is only probably the Five Eyes Alliance, as we spoke before about the English speaking. They're not taking into account anything that's coming from Russia, from Peru, which has been in the news a lot recently. Well, I've got something about Peru now, actually. I'm going to Really? Tell you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting that you should say Peru. What he is alluding to is the cases as far back as the 50s. And you've spoken before about the Cold War era UFO Bureau Project Blue Book. Mm. And those guys were set up to track UAPs and UFO sightings. And they have been spotting strange metallic orbs ever since all over the world. Kirkpatrick also told the panel that his AARO, the Anomalous uh, Reconnaissance Office, whatever they're called, is receiving on average about 50 to 100 reports of UAPs per month with spikes. What? Yes, with spikes coinciding with events like Elon Musk's Starlink satellite launches oh. or the frenzy over China's spy balloon earlier this year. Something caught my eye whilst flicking through the pages of my favourite resource for this podcast 14 times i knew you were going to go there <laughs> because this month they did talk about grush's testimony but they also had a little double page spread on this particular story which i found quite interesting it's from july this year so again in the summer around the same time as grush is in the papers talking about all his disclosures it's from a peruvian place called Alto Nane. It's a village of about 3,000 people populated by the indigenous Ikitu people. They report that they saw armoured and floating seven-foot aliens wearing dark-coloured hoods flying around on a nightly basis. They were so frightened that they called in the military for assistance, although it's not clear whether or not they intervened, because the location is Difficult to get to, Michelle. It's a 10-hour trek through thick, thick jungle. These people are indigenous, although there are videos of some of the contact, but you can't really tell what the hell's going on. Right. That was my next question. If they're so deep in the wilderness, do they have, yeah, they have, do guns. They have phones? They've got they've guns. They've got phones. They've got, yeah, they have got some stuff. Okay. 
The locals described these things similar to the Green Goblin. So they've actually seen the film Spider-Man as well because the, okay. the uh, <laughs> Willem Dafoe character Green Goblin. I haven't seen it, but they say it's like this him. Is getting, this is getting crazier and crazier. It sounds mad. They have yellow eyes glowing behind masks. They're wearing armour. They can float about a metre in the air, they say. And some villagers thought that they were the legendary Pelicaros or Pishtakos, a.k.a. face peelers. What? They're like stories of legend. They would peel back the face of their victim and eat the flesh and the fat. <gasps> and videos relating to this incident have shown a corpse on a riverbank with no face. But no. 14 times do ponder whether this is just because there was a corpse in a river, floating face down, fish ate the face. Simple. Or some wild creature just ate the face off. Just eat the face, nothing else. There was no more info about that to elaborate. And all the stories I looked for elsewhere to back up this one just talked about the the seven-foot aliens. With the hoods, okay. The creatures have been accused of attacking locals, including a 15-year-old girl who was grabbed, squirted in the face with a kind of liquid anaesthetic, oh. then dragged about 50 metres before villagers could beat it off and saved her. Other people have been hurt. They've had injuries, scalp uh, <gasps> abrasions, all sorts of things. Not scalp, but you know, oh. head abrasions and all sorts okay, of things. Okay. The villagers have shot at the creatures. The bullets don't seem to harm them. No. They've described the attacker's shoes when they're up in the air as round shaped, which they use to float one meter from the ground. And there's a red light on the heel. And like I said, these videos are so confusing. You can go and look at them. You can link it up, Michelle. Torches, shouting, 14 times said it might just be a case of social panic intertwined with tales of alien abduction from years gone by and the legend of human trafficking in the area. Right. What's your thought on it? You've seen the images. Do you think it's humans on a jetpack? The images, you can't tell a thing. You just can't tell. You can't see them. You just see people <laughs> going, blah, 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 and the torches just flashing around. Wow. That's all there is oh, for God. hours. Yeah, it's so dull. I mean, maybe people can spot more things. I don't know if you've got the patience and the time. Go for it. Well, I don't need to think about what I think it is because the Peruvian government's prosecutor, Carlos Castro Quintanilla, said that these aliens are actually gang members who are there to scare the locals into staying inside their homes and away from nearby illegal gold mines, which they are obviously running rackets from. That actually sounds more believable to me in a way. Does it? Does it really? That they would come in with jetpacks, that they're saying that they're floating about with jetpacks. Well, that's what I just posited before. Is it humans with jetpacks and yeah. they've just put crazy stuff on? That's what they're saying it is. They're saying that it's humans with jetpacks. They're saying that it's either that or it's drones with capes over them, like being managed by Fair someone enough. from far away because it is really hard to get there. But the 14 Times didn't buy it. They weren't buying that uh, mm. explanation. They said that marauders exist elsewhere in the Amazon and they don't need to resort to such crazy, expensive and hard-to-manage tech such as jetpacks and disguised drones, Michelle. That's a very good point, actually, because if you want to scare villagers, indigenous people who maybe are not so au fait with the technological advancements of the outside world... Do you need to go to such lengths? You just take a gun. Stay off my land. Yeah. <laughs> that's Pretty it. much. That's what they were saying. I mean, what do you think it is? 
The only other reports, the mainstream media reports, all say, oh, but it was okay. It's just jetpacking marauders. That's all. They're just trying to protect their interests in their gun running and their gold running and their gold mining. And they don't want, you know, people to bother them while they go about their illegal business. Just gang members. That's all. Don't worry. Mm. What do you think? I mean, look, you know me. If there's an opportunity to think that it's aliens I'll always go for aliens just because (laughs) a it's fun and b I'd love to know what it is but going back to your comment earlier about you kind of don't want to know that it's aliens because then that actually opens up a minefield for you well just because it's frightening just because it's scary well it's the unknown and you don't know as they were saying about this ontological moment of despair or whatever he was calling it ontological shock ontological shock shock. it would be certainly that and it's easier to say it's gold running marauders than to potentially put ontological shock onto the world here yeah and maybe this is what we're facing always i don't know Mm. Mm. because i have no information i just have opinion plenty of that hey yeah maybe but also part of me feels like it would be just a bit of fun if it was aliens what fun to get a rectal probe do you think that would be fun michelle not for me i wouldn't (laughs) offer my little bottom up for that no thank you i don't think you get to choose i'm always thinking yeah aliens aliens wouldn't it be great but actually when you dig deep down into it would it be that fun and you're right, the ontological shock is deep. It's serious. And yeah. And whether or not it's a orchestrated cover-up or whether it's just people not wanting to believe, who knows? Who mm-hmm. knows who these little flying creatures with their round shoes and red lights and whatnot? I don't know what it is. But I will say that when I first heard about this uh, UAP panel mm. and all the disclosures and grush etc mm. i just thought and i said this to you at the time what are they trying to distract us from yeah. that's happening on earth look up there don't look down here i'm a little cynical when it comes to these disclosures but actually i do think that there's an awful lot of people who do say there is statistically no way that we are alone in the universe And they don't have to be the greys and the, you know, little machine-y kind of guys, whatever, coming down with no spacesuits. It could actually be just a slug. I did read an article where they said, we're not alone in the universe, but it's more likely to be microbial. Exactly. Humans are not the only life form on Earth. No. And we are outnumbered by microorganisms. Trees. Well, and so why would that not be true of life forms outside of... Yeah this planet exactly well wow Jordi, that is absolutely food for thought or are we just a little splodge on a petri dish under a microscope of somewhere else are we just a game and we don't realize we're the game <laughs> the matrix you've taken the red pill i have taken the red pill and we won't have any of these answers maybe ever not before during or after we die yeah true Unless Hillary gets elected. Oh, it's a lot to think of. It's a mind fuck yeah. for me. And it does short circuit my tiny brain. But you want it, Michelle. You want it to be aliens. You always want it. I do, but I think it's just for fun. I think if it was real, I'm not sure how fun <laughs> I would think it was. Because there is something very comforting in just the status quo of the now. It could be better with aliens. It could be worse. It's the unknown. Be careful. 
what you wish and for. And I'm jazzed on green tea. Yes, you are. Be careful what you wish for, lady friend. Yes. But listen, <laughs> I've come to the end of my report. I'm sorry that it was long and boring in parts. It was not boring. My goodness. There's a lot of names, but I think you're right. Those names give validity and authority to what you've said, Yeah. what they're saying. Okay. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I feel like it's almost too much. I've got to now go and... Can have a lie down? Yeah, maybe. And another match of tea. <laughs> and uh, perhaps next week we will see you again, dear listener, because for now it's that time to say, wherever you are, whatever you do, just, just keep eavesdropping. 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 Eaves